Hey, it's Miss South Dakota USA 2011, Chandra Larson, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Kim Fialdo. Hey everybody, welcome to the Life After the Crown podcast, where each episode I bring you useful interviews with former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who are now succeeding across many different industries in the real world. My name is Tim Tialdo, lifestyle entrepreneur, pageant host, author, and quite honestly, somebody who just wants to help you become a better person overall. Now, if pageant life is over for you, or it soon could be, and you're wondering, well, what do I do now, or what's next? This podcast is designed to help make the transition to real life and the school of hard knocks a little bit easier for you to handle. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're with us today. Let's get started. My guest today began competing in pageants at 14 years old, mostly for the glitz and glam, but soon after stepping on the stage, she realized she had a passion for health and wellness and helping others. In 2011, she won the crown of Miss South Dakota USA. And during her reign, she became the spokesperson for the Foundation of Chiropractic Progress and was also pursuing her dream of becoming a nationally board-certified doctor of chiropractic and an acupuncturist. In 2013, she graduated magna cum laude from Northwestern Health Sciences University and magna cum laude from South Dakota State University. She then joined a prestigious group of chiropractors in South Dakota as a full partner. Certainly not a bad little resume she has built up since giving up her crown. Chandra Larson, a real pleasure to welcome you to the podcast today. Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So magna cum laude at two different universities. I don't think I've honestly ever heard that. So, I mean, so tell me how that works. Well, you know, it's not for a lack of hard work or effort. That's for sure. It definitely takes some dedication and a lot of hours studying. But I have been very fortunate that school has always come fairly easy to me. And I also enjoy um, I enjoyed studying what I was studying, which makes a big difference as far as the grades go. Well, I, I certainly want to talk about your professional experiences with chiropractic and acupuncture here in a little bit, but I do want to go back to the pageant. Um, I was talking to your, sure. your crew over at Future Productions, and they mentioned to me that uh, you are a resilient and persistent girl. You competed for eight years, four and teen, and four miss. <laughs> Uh, you were a two-time runner-up, and then you finally won the crown. So I, I guess what makes you so resilient enough to keep coming back when you come so close and so close and it's just not quite there yet? You know, I think, honestly, the fact that I got so close those couple of times is what kept me coming back. It's like, oh, my goodness, I was almost there. I can't give up. I got to do this. I know one of these years it's just going to be my year. So we got to do this. Plus, I had an extremely supportive group of sponsors and everyone over at Future Productions was so encouraging, amazing family and friends that just said, no, don't give up. You got to do it. And I think anytime anybody has a positive support system like that in their life, they can do big things. Well, let's talk a little bit of psychology here because let's let's go to that second time that you get runner up. And I know that is, a, I've talked to a few girls that have gone through this. That is a tough pill to swallow. So, I mean, what goes through your head that next day, you know, to tell yourself, I might actually come back and do this again. You know, I'll be honest and say it took me a little longer than that. (laughs) I would imagine. Decide that I was actually going to come back and do it again. You know, pageants are a lot of work. Um, They're expensive, time consuming, all those things. So, you know, when you work so hard and you get so close twice, it does kind of make you feel like you want to give up a little bit. 
But I don't know. I've always kind of been that resilient person. I'm really competitive as well. I go for things that I want. And there was just something inside of me that said, no, 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 you got to do it one more year because it's going to be your year. (laughs) Sure, sure. Well, I was reading a a bit about your reign and I saw that the the title of Miss South Dakota USA, from what I read, you looked at it as a window of opportunity to achieve some of the other goals in your life. What were some of those goals and how did how did it help you achieve those goals? You know, I think, um, you know, professionally speaking, it helps in a lot of ways. But I think that the fact that I was able to reach bigger crowds because of the following that the different pageant systems had really allowed me to preach my message about health and wellness and being a fit young woman and taking good care of yourself and just in general being a powerful woman throughout, you know, personal and professional endeavors from this point out. I think that was where the the title itself really came into play for me, just allowing me to really reach that bigger audience. You know what I mean? Sure. And what was the title, I guess, from a perspective of what you thought it was going to be versus the reality of what what it was going to be or what it was? uh, Was there a big difference Mm -hmm. there? You know, there was some differences, definitely. But I think ultimately what I wanted to be able to use it for, I I was able to accomplish with it. So uh, one of the things that uh, I work on with a lot of either current uh, pageant title holders or contestants, and even some formers, is uh, that they develop a plan while they still have the crown. Um, Because when it's over, it's like it feels like a, a ton of bricks hit you. Did you have a plan that you were kind of executing as you were going through your year? Or did you kind of get done and then go, okay, now what? Yeah, no. So I actually felt relatively prepared knowing that my time as a title holder was coming to an end and that I was going to need to accomplish a lot of things within my year reign to set myself up for future endeavors when I no longer had that title as a backing, basically. So, no, I felt like how, you know, how I planned for and, and you know, uh, what what came next after giving up the crown was kind of lined up for me. I was very fortunate to be able to put a plan into motion. And so that now that you're a few years removed from pageants, you know, you competed for quite some time, so you kind of got used to it. What advice... Right. Would you have for those who are either, you know, they're just retiring from pageants, just got done with Miss USA or Miss America, um, or they will be in the near future? I mean, are there any challenges or obstacles that you went through that you could help them avoid by just letting them know now? Yeah, you know, I I think one of the biggest things that you can do is remember that the rain is only, in fact, a year and that your whole rest of your life is still yet to come. So, I mean, I know a lot of young women and girls that I've gotten to know through pageants over the years have put off going to school or continuing their education or taken extensive amounts of time off to be able to prepare for their competitions and then get through their year. Um, And I was fortunate enough not to have to do that, thankfully. Uh, My professors and my universities in general were extremely supportive of me competing you know, they allowed me to make up work quizzes, exams, basically anything I needed to, they allowed me to do. And they allowed me to take a leave of absence for the three weeks while I was competing for the Miss USA title in Vegas. And so I didn't have to take off a whole lot of school, which was huge. And so one of the biggest uh, pieces of advice that I can give ladies is if they can swing it to continue on with school, work with their university and stay in so you don't fall behind you know, an entire year and then some because of the preparation process that goes along with it. 
Did you feel like your year uh, that you were you were crowned was that a super tough year in terms of just time management, efficiency, and just <laughs> keeping everything going in the same direction at one time? Absolutely. I mean, there were definitely times where I thought I was going to go crazy, and thank goodness for my phone and my planner and all my calendars and you know the support system that I had for helping to keep me organized. But it, it definitely was a struggle. But I don't regret a single thing about it because I really felt like that kept me on track professionally where I wanted to be as well. And then when I was finished with my year reign, I wasn't so far behind. I wasn't playing catch up the whole time. Okay. A couple more things about your your, uh, 2011 year as the the title holder, and then we'll get into your professional life. Um, Number one is uh, you were Miss South Dakota, USA. Now, I'd be lying if I said when everybody goes to Miss USA, they don't see South you know, Dakota normally as the one that they think is going to win. Um, and I'm sure you know that stereotype going in. So what is it yeah. like coming from one of the Dakotas as a competitor going in and saying, you know, what are my honest to God chances here of, of competing for the title? You know, when you go into it coming from a Dakota, one of the smaller states, you know, a place where there's not quite as big of a market for it, you do kind of have what I call that bash factor where it's like okay in the past nobody has overcome this obstacle (laughs) obstacle from your state hey so how are you why do you think you're special why do you think you're gonna do it you know so honestly i went into that experience a little bit afraid of what i was gonna run into and was i gonna be able to compete and was i gonna you know feel like i was on the same level as these other gorgeous girls from all these states and you know i think that the year that i went to miss usa was such an amazing year. There was not one single girl that I didn't get along with or enjoy talking to or think was just the nicest, smartest person on the face of the planet. So I really enjoyed myself and was put at ease by that. And then I really just felt like I was nailing everything and doing everything as good as I wanted to do. And I really felt like I did the best I could in every aspect. So I I couldn't possibly just be disappointed. And if I, you know, made the top 15, top 10, one, you know, that would be awesome. But either way, I'm going to be happy with this experience. And so I went into the whole process looking at it from that angle. And I think that was huge for me when it came to, you know, mentally getting over the fact that it didn't win, you know. And I think it is definitely a stereotype, like you said, like coming from a small state like South Dakota, your pro- your chances are probably lower. It's kind of a mental thing too. You know, you hear all of those rumors and, and stuff like that. But I, I mean, we've proven it now. It can be done. So I think you just have to have the right frame of mind and the right person and the timing has to be right. Well, I like that approach. That sounds really good. So, um, you know, before pageants, I, I know in high school, uh, you were a dancer. And you even had your own dance company throughout high school. Talk about being an entrepreneur, you know, through your teenage years, uh, kind of getting into, you know, when you were in pageants. So I come from a town of about 800 people. There were about 17 in my graduating senior class. So after school jobs and things like that were kind of far and few between opportunities to make money for school and, you know, the pageants I was competing in and so on and so forth just really wasn't there. So I decided to take a skill that I had been trying to master for many, many years prior, since I was about two years old, and turn it in to a company. So I started Chandra's Dance Company my freshman summer, and I had kids ages anywhere from three up to uh, 12 and 13. 
And once a week, I would bring them in, teach them some classes. We had some um, recitals. We performed for halftimes of basketball games and football games and Relay for Life cancer walk events and different things throughout our community and just had a blast. And all the while, I uh, made some pretty good money and was able to support myself for quite some time going through my first couple of years of undergrad. And do you think that's important for people who are competing that you do have some sort of job so you can fund if the parents aren't able to do it, fund your ability to compete. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that's important. Get out there, go to work, do some hard work and earn it. It makes it that much more worth it. Well, obviously, uh, you didn't continue uh, the dance company into your professional career. You decided to go into chiropractic. Now, I read a story about uh, basically how chiropractic came into your life. I guess it it stems from uh, some sort of knee injury you had. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so when I was really young, I want to say second or third grade, I had a fall that kind of left me with some permanent knee damage. Um, And so since that time, on and off with different sporting activities, dance pageants, things like that, I've had some trouble with discomfort, pain, and just overall general weakness through the area. So when I was in school um, at South Dakota State University, I decided I was going to go in and see a chiropractor and see if they could help me. And what they were able to do from the rehab standpoint, as well as just, um, you know, physically with adjustments and different different techniques that they used really helped um, keep me on my game. So it really kind of saved me from a lifetime of hurt or what I feared was going to be, a, you know, a permanent injury at some point as I aged. So I decided to actually start working as a chiropractic assistant for that same chiropractor that helped me with my knee problems. And that's really kind of when I fell in love with the chiropractic profession itself. So what is it that you love about it? Is it, you know, the fact that you can, um, you know, make somebody feel better in the matter of an hour? Or is it, you know, the fact that you just get to help others? Or is it, you know, is there the medical side to it where you're just fascinated by what it is? All of the above. It's an extremely rewarding career in the fact that, uh, in the medical profession, in the profession, in the fact that when you go to work, most of the time, the people you are dealing with are not debilitatingly ill or on their way out or any of those types of things. You're dealing with people who have, you know, sports-related injuries or just want their body to be able to function a little bit better or just want to feel better in general. And usually, fairly quickly, you can get these patients some relief and it makes them really happy and it makes you it makes you one of their favorite people which is a <laughs> really great feeling <laughs> so give me a typical day as a chiropractor what is so like for instance i know you were working today tell me what you did so i usually start my uh, mornings pretty early i like to be able to have some uh, appointments open for the day before school and after school because i do treat a lot of pediatric patients Um, along with their families. But basically, I go, I start seeing patients right off the bat. I'm usually pretty booked throughout my day. Combination of chiropractic treatments, rehabilitation therapies, as well as some acupuncture sessions. And in between all of those, I have to make time to dictate notes on all of that, plus all of the administrative type duties that come with running a business. So it is usually a pretty fast, pretty hectic, pretty busy day but it's always a lot of fun. Well, what makes a good chiropractor? I mean, you you obviously have, have got into a, a really good group of prestigious chiropractors. You're a partner there. Um, so you've seen, you know, the good versus the bad probably. So what, you know, for somebody uh, who is currently in pageants and thinking about, you know, chiropractic might be a future for me. I guess what are some good attributes that would factor into being a good chiropractor? 
Yeah, I well, I think definitely a passion and a love for the type of work, um, meaning, you know, loving to work on the spine, loving anatomy, loving physiology, all the different systems, um, you know, that make the body work, knowing inside and out all of those different systems and how they function together. Also, learning about the patient and figuring out what makes them tick? What are their goals? What do they love? What are they not being able to enjoy because of this injury or this pain they're having? Because you have to be a motivating force as well to help somebody push through and improve their health, right? Mm -hmm. So being able to communicate with patients, educate them, and figure out how to motivate them makes a great chiropractor. Also, just in general, going the extra mile, going to the continuing education seminars, learning all the new latest and greatest types of therapies and techniques, and just soaking in as much knowledge as you possibly can in order to help your patients is what's going to make a great chiropractor. And your patients will thank you for it, and they will recognize your effort, most definitely. Well, from what I read, you, you seem to have a pretty good plan of how you went about attacking your chiropractic career. You got into this uh, you know, prestigious group. Uh, became a partner within just a couple of years. You know, you're doing really well now. You're just, what, six, seven years removed from the pageants. So for somebody who is thinking about going into this uh, and they don't have a plan, all they know is I'd like to be a chiropractor someday, but I don't really know, you know what route I should take. What are some maybe some steps right out of school, even if it's high school, that they should start taking? Sure. Well, right out of high school, basically what you want to pre- prepare for is making sure that you're taking your prerequisite courses your first three years of undergrad school in order to apply and get into graduate school for chiropractic care. So what I ended up doing, which worked really, really well, is going for my bachelor's degree in nutritional sciences um, from SDSU. I had a big interest in nutrition and a lot of courses overlapped with the prerequisites for getting into chiropractic school. So it worked out well. I ended up with my bachelor's in that. And then I went on to my graduate training in chiropractic and acupuncture after that. So, I mean, basically what you want to prepare for while you're in high school is taking as many science courses as you possibly can because it's all science related for the most part. Um, And then again, in uh, college, like I said, just making sure you have a good advisor in the pre-chiropractic field or pre-medical field because a lot of the classes are, are the same as far as prerequisites for getting into grad school and just making sure that they're working with you and keeping you on track and that you're not going to miss out on any of those vital credits that you need for getting into school. Are there any particular schools that you know you would recommend over others that might be a great runway, so to speak, for a good career in chiropractic? You know, I attended Northwestern Health Sciences University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, they're one of the top chiropractic schools, very, very evidence-based and science-based, which is what I really like about it. Now, I felt like they gave me a tremendous education and all the tools that I needed to hit the ground running um, you know, the minute I graduated, basically. The other cool thing that they really, really uh, did well, I thought, was from the first trimester to the last trimester when you graduate, you have um, a business course. And basically through the course of the three and a half, almost four years of grad school, you create a business plan that you could literally take to a bank and hit the ground running the day you graduate. So I think in all aspects from teaching you technique to, uh, you know, bedside manner, patient communication, education, rehab, all those things, plus the business aspect of it, they did a tremendous job and I would highly recommend them. Well, that's a, you bring up a really good point. Would you recommend that if somebody graduated from, you know, chiropractic school that they just go into their own private practice or would you recommend they go somewhere 
um, kind of work under somebody for a while to, to kind of learn the ropes and then go off on their own? So that's kind of the unique thing about chiropractic school is you really actually do that while you're in school. It's uh, 10 trimesters total on your third trimester already. Um, you are starting with adjustments and other types of um, clinicals and working with a variety of different doctors and learning different styles and kind of getting the business aspect of things. Over the course of the preceding trimesters, you are also going out into the community in the Minneapolis area and working and shadowing and there are other doctors in that area. And then your very last trimester is an externship where you're actually able to go anywhere in the United States or actually in some other countries as well and work under doctors to finish off your hours in order to graduate. Um, so you kind of do have a good sense of what style of chiropractor you're going to be and whether or not the business side of things is something you want to deal with by the time you graduate. Uh, personally, for me, I came across an extremely um, unique situation where I got into this group of prestigious chiropractors. I was able to work with them as an associate for three years and then invited to purchase in and become a full partner. That's not always heard of. Usually it's either you're an associate doctor or you own your own company. So I did kind of get lucky there. So the fact that you were able to work under some prestigious chiropractors, would you recommend that path if somebody had the option? I would. You know, I think it really helped shape me as a chiropractor. I think I learned a lot that way. And I also think that some of the responsibilities were a little bit lessened. I wasn't having to worry about all the administrative duties on top of treating my patients. I really got to just focus on honing in my skills and becoming a really good chiropractor um, during those three years. And then when I felt like I was really established, built up my clientele, all those things, taking on those extra administrative duties was not so challenging and more of a welcomed experience. Well, let's talk a, a little bit more about the business side. This is the stuff that <laughs> a lot of people find boring, but as you well know, it's some of the most important stuff to know before you ever get there. And I know the question that everybody would ask me is, well, am I going to make good money? Your answer to that. <laughs> uh, you will eventually. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that's a good answer. Um, you know, yep, yep, eventually. If you stick it out and you work really hard, you definitely can make a very, very good living as a chiropractic doctor. Um, going to grad school for chiropractic, uh, most of the schools are private, so your student loan debt is fairly high. So I do encourage you trying to do as much as you can as far as trying to get scholarships and different things like that. Um, to help you through and try to minimize your student loan debt as much as possible. However, usually starting out as an associate doctor, you do make a fairly decent amount right away. And the more years experience you have, the better off you are. So, Well, then let's talk about the, I guess we'll call it the office administration side of things. Now, when people think chiropractic, sure. they think, of course, you know, hands-on working on patients, doing that all day. But there is another side to it that you obviously have to take care of the business itself. Talk about what you do on that side of things when you're not meeting with patients. Oh, so many things. Um, so much paperwork. Uh, every single patient that we see as a chiropractor, we have to dictate medical notes on um, for a variety of reasons. So we have record of what we did and also so we can bill insurance properly and different things like that. Then there's the billing and coding aspect of things and working with insurance companies as well. I mean, everything from that 
um, down to who's going to water the plants in the front of the office <laughs> deals with the administrative side of things when you are your own business owner. So, I mean, you name it, uh, I, I have done it. There's no job too big and there's no job too little, but there's definitely a lot of paperwork. And when you're working with um, third-party medical insurances and things like that, there can definitely be some roadblocks that have to be pushed through. So, Well, I know a lot of private practice doctors in general um, have had a lot of mm-hmm. issues with the current insurance structure that exists in the United States. Do you guys go through that same thing right. every day? Absolutely. Absolutely, we do. Every year, we just wait to find out what new fun thing <laughs> we're going to have to deal with this time. <laughs> I can only imagine. Jim. Yes. <laughs> Well, tell me a little bit about, do you have a staff? I mean, I know you work with other chiropractors, so you guys probably likely have a staff. But if you went out on your own, would you have a staff or just maybe a receptionist? Yeah. So honestly, when I first started, um, there were a couple of days where it was just me, me and only me. I answered the phone. I roomed the patients. I treated the patients. I did notes on the patient. I collected payment. I collected insurance information. I did it all. And then as I got busier and busier, Um, and more and more people were calling and not being able to get in on my schedule, things like that, then I started getting some staff. So it kind of there, again, you start at the bottom and you work your way up the totem pole. So you start with just you, and now I have a receptionist, several chiropractic assistants, a massage therapist, and a lot of other people um, that help make our world go around in in that clinic. Sure. Well, it sounds like you you do quite a bit, and somebody listening might go, well, yeah, the money's great, but my gosh, it sounds like it's just a, a mountain of paperwork and everything else to do. So at the end of the day, for you, what is it that you love about this that keeps you going through all that red tape, if you will? Oh, it's the patience. The patients, 100%. Uh, I mean, a patient thanking you or giving you a hug because they've been in pain for years and no one has been able to give them an explanation as to why or no amount of x-rays or MRIs or testing has shown any problem or reason for their pain and then they get that first adjustment and they go a week without pain or they sleep the best they've ever slept in their entire life or whatever the case may be I mean there's just no better feeling than that than helping others it is just such a cool profession um, in that instance so that that's really what keeps me going I, I just really believe that people need the services that I provide and I think as our focus shifts from more sick care to more wellness and preventative care, uh, you know, it's starting to shift that way. And I really hope it continues to go that way and a lot faster because we definitely need that in this country. I think chiropractic is a, and acupuncture is a really key, um, could be a really key driving force for that and could really help a lot of people. So that's what keeps me going. I just know on a global scale that it can really benefit so many people. Well, I definitely want to talk about the acupuncture thing here in just a second. But, I, you know, I talk to a sure. lot of doctors and they all seem to have one particular story of a patient that came in that had an issue and they were able to basically give them a new lease on life. I, I'm guessing you probably have one of those uh, in your, your young career here that you've gone through already. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, I, I'll, I'll never forget it, actually. It just happened a few months ago um, that, that I had this patient who came in and she has had every test under the book. She had what was called a silent migraine. And every so often, she would not get the pain that a normal migraine would cause, but she would get blindness into her left eye. 
and deafness into her right ear. And she had been to every neurologist. She's had every single MRI, CT scan. I mean, you name it. She had everything and no one could find any reason why she was having these symptoms. And unfortunately, over the years, they had continued to get worse and worse. And she was just about ready to head to uh, Mayo Hospital, which is in Rochester, Minnesota. It's a very, very prestigious medical facility that has the best of the best, basically, for this kind of thing. Um, She was just about ready to head there. She decided to come in and talk to me and see if I thought there was anything that I could offer her. And in going through her health history, um, she, she had a lot of things that we needed to work on. We changed up her diet. We added in some supplements to help with decreasing inflammation. I adjusted her um, with a different technique that she's never had before. And I got to say, within a week, she, she uh, emailed me and was just, forever grateful because she had not had any of her symptoms even just after that one treatment for an entire week and she had never ever slept as good as she had slept and she since has come in many times and brought her family in and she just continues to tell me what an amazing job I did and that she just she just can't even believe how good she feels and and just what an amazing change chiropractic uh, care has made for her. And I just think that there are probably so many more people like her just living with things like that because they've been told to go home. There's nothing we can do for you. And I just think that that's really cool. Well, you talked a little bit about acupuncture, and I know that relates to many of these uh, issues that you're helping uh, cure in these people, so to speak. So, uh, you know, acupuncture, it is. It's a holistic way to heal the body. From an education standpoint, I guess, was that a byproduct of chiropractic, or is that a common combination that chiropractors study? Um, Yeah, so it is actually a common combination. Um, The school that I went to, the university that I went to, uh, was specific to chiropractic, acupuncture, and then massage therapy. Um, so those combinations were, were often taken together. Um, but actually, I had never really given acupuncture a thought until I started working as a chiropractic assistant in undergrad because the uh, chiropractor I worked for, his wife was also a chiropractor, and she was unable to continue practicing as she ended up being diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and so it was very painful for her to physically work on people. So she went back and studied acupuncture and then brought that into the practice. And one thing that my um, mentor, I guess you could say, encouraged me to do was to do that combination because in the area where I'm at, there are very few people that do perform acupuncture. So they felt that would also be a good um, niche for me and also make me a little bit more um, enticing to a potential employer as well if I could add that to their practice as another source of revenue. So that's kind of how I got interested in acupuncture at first. And then it evolved into a full-on love because it's an amazing, amazing therapy. And I use it all the time for so many different things. There's just about nothing that acupuncture can't help with. So it's a very, very cool ancillary therapy to add to my chiropractic care. Well, and I know you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you were big into nutrition before you got into chiropractic. Mm-hmm. So do you apply that to, you know, how you treat your patients as well? So it's kind of like a trifecta, chiropractic, acupuncture, nutrition. Are you, I guess, as a uh, medical professional, are you able to <laughs> incorporate nutrition advice into your, your practice? Yep. Every single day with pretty much every single patient. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer that what we put into our body directly affects 
the outward um, physical and and uh, mental aspects of what we project. So, I mean, chiropractors really do a lot of different things because we do treat our patients as a whole versus focusing on a specific ailment. And, you know, so simplistically, we work on the nervous system and the nervous system consisting of the brain spinal cord and all the nerves out into the periphery periphery is basically the governing system of all other body systems, right? So your digestive system, your immune system, your cardiovascular system, reproductive system, all the other systems, the nervous system governs them all. So basically what we're, what we're doing along with incorporating the dietary advice and any, um, you know, needed supplements that might be missing from the patient's diet is we're looking for these misalignments in the spinal column that might be causing any nerve interference and issues towards those systems. Uh, and then, you know, we're providing adjustments to those areas to help remove that and restore function to the body and all the other systems. But you really can't heal the body from the outside in, you have to heal it from the inside out. So my nutritional background has just been huge for, for um, you know, getting good results for my patients. I like the philosophy. I think I'd like to book an appointment. Yeah, <laughs> anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, one of the things that I know many former pageant contestants, no matter what industry they go, to, go into, uh, they always like to think, you know, how can I uh, still incorporate what I uh, did in the pageant world into my professional life. Now, uh, in talking to the future production folks, they told me that you still invite uh, every year's title holders uh, to a health and wellness expo that you're part of. Can you tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about that? Yeah, I do. So I, I am extremely active in my community and, um, you know, community organizations and the chamber in particular. And Every year, our chamber um, in our in our little town here puts on an amazing health and wellness expo, and it's, they've really done a good job of making it a family affair, um, and and really highlighting some of the local businesses. And I am on the special events committee that helps to put that on. And so we always like to have fun activities for the kids and um, you know positive role models for them that do uh, usually exude uh, exceed health health and wellness basically. So I always invite the former title holders to come and sign autographs and talk to the kids and take pictures and just share about their journey because I personally think that pageants have had such an amazing impact on me. I've learned so much from them, both personally and professionally, and I think that it's something that everybody should be exposed to. So I enjoy having those girls come and um, share their time with us and meet people and just, you know, talk to them about their stories. It's really, really a cool thing. Sure. And, you know, we've talked about so much about how your career has evolved from pageants. So to, to wrap it all up into a bow, so to speak, what did pageants really do for your life, um, you know, now that you get to look back on them and say, I competed for eight years, I've now been in uh, business for about eight years. How does it all kind of come together as something, as an, as an experience that you say it was worth it? Yeah, I mean, honestly, how pageants have helped me in my professional pursuits, there are just, there are too many ways to count, honestly. I mean, from the way I carry myself in public, uh, to being a good interviewee, uh, to being able to think quick on my feet, um, to being able to communicate my strengths to a potential employer. You know, I, I have used these types of tools many, many times in my professional endeavors, and they've all been learned from pageants. You know, I mean, like I said earlier, I started out as an associate chiropractor for about three years. And during my initial interview with the head doctor at the end, he actually asked me if I had any questions for him. So, of course, I had done my research and found out that this clinic had never actually hired a female doctor before. 
before. So quick thinking on my feet, I asked him, why in the world have you never hired a female doctor? And he was kind of taken back, but he had a good answer, though. He said something to the effect of, well, honestly, not many women have applied here and ones that had weren't really qualified or what he was looking for. So I said, "Okay, thank you very much for your time and kind of headed out the door. Later on, after he had hired me, he had told me that as soon as I had left the room, he thought to himself, I'm going to hire that girl. I would much rather have her on my team than out there competing against me. So I was an associate for three years, and then last year in March became a full partner. And since becoming a partner, we have started two more clinic locations, and we were actually just voted number one on our local best list in the Sioux Falls and surrounding areas. And so I think just having that confidence and feeling comfortable in that interview situation alone almost four years ago now has helped me in so many ways. And I really attribute a lot of those skills you know, to being developed over my, my many years of pageantry. Also, just the connections that I've made and the people that I've met has led to some overall cool opportunities. Um, you know, from I uh, was a spokesperson for the Foundation for Chiropractic Progress. I was invited um, to Washington, D.C. to speak on behalf of the Student American Chiropractic Association for their um, National Chiropractic Legislative Conference. Uh, a gal that I met while I was doing pageants um, is amazing. She's the head marketing director for uh, Opera Carolina in North Carolina. She started a really cool project called Opera Recycles, and basically she takes old playbills, ticket stubs, posters from operas that have been performed and uh, sends them to designers and has them recycled into couture dresses. She was invited to have a show during New York Couture Fashion Week last September. I was invited to model in that. This year, um, or this coming January, we're going to uh, Paris Couture Fashion Week to model in it. So, I mean, some of these crazy cool opportunities and these amazing people that I've gotten to meet and be around have just, that in and of itself, have just made all my years of competing, my time, my money, all those things, just so very worth it. I mean, just just some of the coolest people you've ever met. Yeah, so. what a super cool story. Well, where do you want to go from here? I mean, do you have a dream of where you want your chiropractic career to evolve to? Yeah, you know, I basically, like I said, right now, we just opened up two more locations. So I want to grow these as big as we can and just kind of keep expanding our brand all over the world, hopefully. <laughs> well, hey, well, hey, well, good luck to you. I'm very excited for yeah. you. And it sounds like you have really built uh, quite a, a bit of success there in South Dakota. And uh, thanks for sharing your story and uh, kind of telling everybody how to get into your industry. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was really, I really enjoyed it. That is today's episode. Thanks for listening to Life After the Crown. If you like what you just heard, share it with your friends. Just tell them to go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And by the way, if you have any questions you'd like answered on one of our future shows or even a guest that you'd love to hear me interview, email me at tim at timtialdo.com or Instagram message me at timtialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Ephesians 320. God can do anything, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working with us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Have an awesome week, everybody. Mm